Like most kids, my little brother Kyle had an imaginary friend. And like most kids with imaginary friends, Kyle named his and gave it distinctly physical features. Bosco was short, pudgy, and had a gray beard. My parents found it a little strange that Kyle's imaginary friend should be a full-grown man, but they tried not to dwell on it. Bosco quickly became a part of our daily routine. While getting ready for school, Kyle would insist I stop hogging the mirror as Bosco had to fix his hair and beard. At meals, the chair next to Kyle was strictly reserved for Bosco. Bosco didn't eat, so my parents were grateful they didn't have to prepare an extra plate. He just wanted to sit there to keep my little brother company. Bosco made his presence felt at school, too. Kyle's teacher told my mom how impressed she was with Kyle's vocabulary. He seemed to know a slew of difficult words. When asked where he'd learned them, he'd credit Bosco. Once, when my mother introduced Kyle to a kid his own age who'd moved in next door, Kyle shook his hand and said clearly, I'm very pleased to make your acquaintance. The other kid just stared. My dad wasn't all that interested in Kyle's friend, or in anything to do with his kids for that matter. Mostly, it was my mom and I who got to hear about how fantabulous Bosco was. Then came the incident that made us rethink whether Bosco was all that imaginary. One day, Kyle and I were waiting at the school bus stop, waiting for mom to pick us up. Suddenly, Kyle began pulling on my arm, insisting we walk across the street to get a candy bar from the convenience store. I told him to wait for mom, but he wouldn't listen. He pulled frantically and kept saying he needed a candy bar now. I gave in and walked with him to the store. No sooner had we set across the street than a driver lost control of their car and plowed into the bus stop behind us. Later, it came out that Bosco, not Kyle, had wanted that candy bar. As I said, Bosco became an integral part of our lives. My mom's sister, Aunt Rita, had moved to town and landed a job at our dad's company. One weekend, my mom took us to visit our maternal grandparents. Dad said he couldn't come as he had work. Mom seemed disappointed but agreed to take us without him. Nana and Papa were impressed at how articulate Kyle was. The following afternoon, Kyle was channel surfing in the living room when the infamous pottery scene from Ghost came on. Mom snatched the remote and changed the stations, telling Kyle it wasn't appropriate for a child his age to see adults hugging that way. Kyle pouted and fired back in aspiration. Then why is it okay for Dad and Aunt Rita to hug like that? Mom was taken aback. She asked what he was talking about. Kyle told her that Dad and Aunt Rita would get naked and hug in bed, just like in the movie, when we were at school and Mom was at work. This would happen, he said, once or twice a week. Mom was outraged and scolded Kyle for making up such an awful story. I'm not making it up, he cried. Bosco told me. Evidently, Bosco went on to tell Kyle that Dad and Aunt Rita were hugging at that very moment. Mom's gaze turned cold. Leaving us with our grandparents, she rushed home, only to find exactly what Kyle described. Too bad Bosco couldn't be called to testify in divorce court. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael Tatum. Uh, high off of the fact that we just made a TikTok video. <laughs> We nailed those dance moves. I we got know, it. I didn't know I had it in me. 
<laughs> I knew I had faith. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not uh, TikTok. What is this, Jeremy? No, it's not. This is Goal Intentions. Yay! <laughs> It's it's our podcast. It is our podcast, <laughs> which we are getting more and more listeners every, every week, which is so it's exciting. It's so exciting yeah. because we need your ghost stories. We need an excuse to be sassy. That's right. I fucking love it. I fucking love right. it. It's so much fun. Uh, it, yeah, we're having a good time on the TikTok. Here's what I didn't know. Um, I'm all over that. Vocally, like I have some characters. Yeah. Yeah. You're a, honey, you're a meme. I'm a meme. You are, you, from here I'm on out, you meme. pass into legend. <laughs> yeah, from now on at conventions when people are like, you know, introduce yourself, I'm just going to be like, <laughs> look at that tremble. I see, have a I see something, a trend something. of people approaching your booth at future conventions uh, on high heels. Doing the walk. Oh my god! I hope like, this would be the greatest fucking thing in the world. Please pretend to fall and heels, then own it in my face. If I had a pair of heels that fit my fucking gigantic Sasquatch feet, I would yeah. totally do the meme myself. Or roller skates. I, <laughs> I have not been on, okay, so I've been for on roller skates since I was like a little bitty thing. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, for people who don't know. TikTok. It's another social media app, but it does little videos. And so there's, they're, they're usually about 15 seconds, max is a minute, and they mm-hmm. have these little challenges that go around. And there's a song that has been mixed with a voice of one of my characters from a show called Dang and Rampa. And I play a character named Junko Enoshima. Mm-hmm. And she's ridiculing this guy for liking anime. <laughs> so in an anime, it's pretty great. She's evil. She's real she's bad. Like I the love her so much. She's my favorite villain in all of anime. She's so great. Yes. She really is great. Uh, so and great. Michael was the lead writer on the show, so I I'm just going to gonna tell anyone and everyone, lines. if you ever get the chance to have one of your best friends write a script for you, do it! <laughs> it's <laughs> it's definitely give, the way to go. I have to give credit where credit is due. That particular line was Patrick Seitz. He, was Patrick Seitz. He wrote, he wrote the waifu Yas line. Queen. I did Yas Queen was mine. Yes. And, and uh, that was and waifu for was me his. specifically. That was for you absolutely yeah. specifically. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, so anyway, I have joined, and then now I realize that millions and millions of people have heard my voice. <laughs> and I feel like most of our listeners are going to know what TikTok is because of the crazy amount of weird ghost footage <laughs> you can find yes, on TikTok. That's TikTok true. apparently also picks up ghosts. Who knows? I love Who it. Knew? I love it. Um, <sighs> so yeah, so we just <laughs> were like, ah, oh, we're here in our own little places and our using our Zoom, and we should do a little video and have fun. We so did. we did. That's great. But that was great. Uh, now we have the giggles. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should take a moment to thank yes. our lovely, lovely and beautiful friend Damon Mills for killing yes, thank you, Damon. the opening story. I really like it. It's kinda got a little sass to it. And so of course I thought of Damon. Just like Damon. Just like Damon. Uh yeah. and uh that story came from Reddit users uh Shy Girl Turned Sassy. So uh, whoever you are Fair out there enough. in Reddit land, thank you. I love that story. Thank so you. we had to do it. And Damon Oh, you're wonderful, talented. I could listen to you all day, read spooky stories or whatever. So thank you, darling. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Follow Damon. He is on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, the TikTok. He's on TikTok as well. And he's really funny. He's done it. He's like, he's done a duet with Brandon. 
so great. Yes, so, so send funny. him some love. For TikTok his awesome is just fucking fun. Opening. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I know I it's think, really fun. I've never really paid much attention to social media. I mean, you know, I I, I do diligence. I'll get on there and I'll I'll tweet something every now and again. And Facebook, I don't think I've been on Facebook in like a two years period or something like that. But like TikTok, Brandon was like, get a TikTok, and I'm like, I don't know. It seems dumb. I don't want it. And the minute I download it, I'm like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I do this, do this, and then suddenly it's like, last night we. Film the video just because I didn't want to. I wanted three videos in every row, and I didn't. And there was one <laughs> shot, and I'm like, "Just <laughs> film one." I I, I got to fill the role. Now it's now it's like playing Scrabble. Um, yeah, yeah. But I um, anyway, you made me do it. Um, <laughs> I can't make you do shit. <laughs> no man yeah. can make Jamie Markey do a damn thing except <laughs> except cringe. <laughs> cringe is yeah. Uh, Which is what I love about TikTok right now in its current gestation for me. Uh, I signed and I got really nervous after the first video, you know. Sure. And uh, I was really nervous and posted it. And then nobody told me to go kill myself. There were no, like, mass attacks on my character. It was so nice. Well, it's, (laughs) it's early days yet. (laughs) <laughs> it is, it is. And I know that they'll come, but what's great is it's a lot harder to make multiple accounts. So you can't have one person buy a bunch of bots to attack you with. Yeah. Uh, not right. that that's ever happened to me no, all the time. No, no, but in theory, it's <laughs> yeah, much right. easier to do on other forms of social media than it is TikTok, yeah. apparently. Yeah. And I mean, and also it if depends. You're, if but... you're just an asshole on TikTok, no one watches your stuff. So the algorithm yeah. ignores it. Oh. It's really nice. It's, <sighs> it just is so much, it's very refreshing. It. I should hasten to yeah. add that TikTok is not a sponsor of our show. We just really, no. Really like it. No. <laughs> We've just oh, been having fun with it. God. So, uh, Oh, today's episode title. Yeah, what's our title today, Jamie? It is, you know what's fun is I haven't opened up. So here's what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's a little behind the scenes for everybody while I figure out how to make this work. Um, <laughs> I will uh, write a document when I'm doing my research and stuff. And then um, I email it to myself so that I can open it up on my Kindle because I'm looking at you on my iPad. I'm using right. my computer to record, I and then the I read same from my Kindle. Thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have I have to. I hadn't opened it in my email. So <laughs> are you are you vamping? <laughs> that's what I was doing. It works really well though because now I have it. I remember the title. What is it? It's the shadow knows. That's right, yeah. and it is. From The Shadow, which is the name of a collection of serialized dramas, originally in 1930s pulp novels, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, then it moved mm-hmm. into a wide variety of me- variety of media. So the title character has been featured on La Radio, in long-running <laughs> pulp magazine series, American comic books, comic strips, television serials, yep. video games, yep. and at yep. least five feature films. Mm-hmm. One of which starred the- Alec Baldwin. That's right. Back in 1993, and four, something like do that. Do you remember who uh, one of the voices Hell yeah, for I do. the radio? Orson Welles, who by That's a strange right. coincidence was also he was the the director and lead actor in uh, uh, the radio uh, the radio uh, studio called War Mercury the Theater, and they did oh. War of the Worlds, and he was yeah. the narrator and main character of that too. So he gets he around. So it's funny because we just mentioned that a couple episodes ago. In fact, things like War of the Worlds and and The Shadow and all that like. 
comes up again and again on the pod. We we find these little correspondences, little little cross pollination. Uh, right. Well, tidbits. he didn't say the line though. No. So that was no. that was spoken by Frank Reddick, I believe is how you say Frank it. Frank Reddick. Mm. Or Reddick, but a, I think it's Reddick. What a power name. Uh, R e a d i c k. Dick is definitely in that name. Is all I'm saying. Reddick. And so. Hey, Mister <laughs> Mister Reddick. Reddick. Could we get a Reddick on that? Um, Reddick. Reddick <laughs> sounds like a gay thing. Uh, uh, yeah. this, I mean, <laughs> Redick sounds like like we're having sex, me and Brandon, and then we think we're tired, and then we're like, now nah, we can go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Michael, that could be straight sex, too. Well, but I mean, yeah, but there's just so many more possibilities when there are two dicks. Right. <laughs> you both get to point and laugh. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, but what are we pointing with? Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so, so why, line, did, why did we, sorry, go on, go on, go sorry, on. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm the full line. I'm stepping all over your lines. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, the full line uh, <laughs> is, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Ooh, 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 not just the shadow. I feel like anyone who's been on the internet. They know, they also know. No, but this was yeah, a different time. That's true. Uh, right, different time. There was no internet. There was no internet. And why why do we choose that title, Jamie? Well, now you get to talk. Because (laughs) uh, today's episode, we decided we would both cover the same topic from slightly different angles. And today we thought it was high time, based on the amount of uh, viewer mail we get about this particular topic, that it was high time to talk about shadow people, also known as shadow beings or shadow men. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're fucking freaky. And uh, interestingly enough, TikTok apparently has a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm going to kind of do a little breakdown of the history of the concept and other some 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 alternating theories of what they might be. And then Jamie is going to bring us home with some real spooky shadow person stories. I have a bunch of them. Oh, I can't fucking wait. They're they're. I'm not going to lie. Shadow people stories are probably my favorite type of scary story. Yeah. Um, because there's so much possibility. It's the it's the it's the combination of mystery and there's just enough recognizableness to the phenomenon. Yeah. Like, oh, that looks like a person, but you can't see a feature, and it's weird. It's uncanny. So I mm. love it. So I, I'm actually going to start my bit with a story, a personal story uh, that you may not know, Jamie, because I don't know if I've ever brought it up I before. Um, I only started thinking about it recently because I was toying with the idea of doing a bit on the shadow people. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That thing when I was a kid. Holy shit. So, uh, trigger warning, I ramble a lot. (laughs) Have they listened to this podcast? (laughs) I know, but this is, I'm in rare form. By the end of this, you're going to think I sound like... Uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when he's like in front of the board with all the threads on it and he's like, no, and this happened and this happened. Whatever. Because I I wound up just kind of going down not so much a rabbit hole as a whole fucking rabbit warren. I just went so many twists and turns. I'm like, oh, let's talk about that angle a little bit. Uh, Because I find the idea of shadow people to be really fascinating and just pregnant (laughs) with meaning. So... Let me stop. Oops, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was not an EVP. That was Jamie fucking with her phone while I'm talking. I was. I'm sorry. I got a text and it opened up onto the. Onto it TikTok. opened up onto the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
my my voice it's on silent uh-huh, but uh-huh. it was Brittany Karbowski and I oh, took a picture and sent Brittany. it to her of us yeah all right so anyway. let me uh <laughs> let me start off uh with my own story so when I was a kid I used to sleep with the bedroom door wide fucking open um I don't know how many of you did that right but um I oh 100 okay yeah I didn't I didn't like feeling shut off from the rest of the house you Same. know um yeah I was an anxious kid uh, surprisingly, um, which also meant I was a creature of routine. And my parents, God love them, <laughs> could not tuck me in without being interrogated as to their proposed whereabouts after this ritual was over. I always had to know, like, where are you going to be? You're going to be there. Soon. And they they would, you know, they'd roll their eyes and indulge me to a point. But I always slept best when I could hear the ungodly racket of my mom's electric typewriter from the kitchen. Because she was a teacher and she used to make up, you know, uh, work sheets and and grade stuff, whatever. Uh, Or if I could hear like some late night talk show that my dad was nodding off to in the living room, right? Well, so I insisted on leaving my door open until I was around eight years old, as best I could remember I was eight. You know, it's all fuzzy. I could have been 20 for all I remember. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say I was around eight years old. I didn't um, start shutting my door until I was a teen. Okay. It was definitely earlier than my teens. Um... Because circumstances compelled me to realize feeling shut in was vastly preferable to being exposed to, mm-hmm. well, let me paint you a picture. So The anxiety shifted. One night, <laughs> <laughs> something startled me awake in the wee hours. I, everyone else was asleep. There was no life in the house whatsoever. I don't know what woke me up. I don't remember having any kind of bad dream. I don't remember being roused by a loud noise or anything. All I know is one second I was fast asleep, and the next I was wide awake, sitting upright in the bed and gawking at my doorway. Now... At first, I couldn't be sure what it was I was seeing. As a matter of fact, after all these years, I still don't have a clear idea. The best I can manage is to describe it as kind of a patch of darkness mingled with the darkness of the hallway, but somehow denser, more concentrated. I squinted, willing my eyes to adjust, but the longer I looked, the less distinct the shape or the patch became. However, if I shifted my gaze to one side, the shape would seem to dance, gyrating and contorting with inhuman speed, right? Mm. Now, I'm fully aware of how ridiculous this sounds, but in my periphery, it resembled a tall, cadaverous man in long robes repeating a series of cartoonish, choreographed movements. The figure would rush forward to the threshold of <laughs> Were my... Were they... Was it anything like... No, there was no music, but... I, that, oh. You know, I always thought there should have been. Um, <laughs> if it was your TikTok. It was my TikTok, right? Come on, shadow people. I need you to bring it. Uh, so the, the figure, this is what this thing would do. It, it would rush forward to the threshold of my door. It would make this exaggerated bow, dash backward mm. about four feet or so, pirouette a full 360, and then go through the whole routine again, again and again and again, quickly and silently, like, like I was watching some old like Charlie Chaplin film. Now, again, I could mm. only make these details out if I trained my gaze to one side. Looking dead on, the shape blended more or less seamlessly with the darkness of the hall, and its movement were no... Uh, movements were no longer discernible. I don't remember how long this went on, but eventually, too scared to get out of bed and put my eyesight to the test, I lay back down, wrenched the blanket over my head, as you do, and before long, daylight was creeping in through the curtains, and the figure, as yet, has declined to reappear. Hopefully, it doesn't. Um, 
<laughs> so though I've had my share of bizarre experiences, we've talked about many of them, many of them on this show, in light of what I've learned since, this, this particular one stands out for me. Now, likely as not, it was just a product of my anxious imagination. It's probably an eye squiggle made sinister by grogginess and the oppressive dark. Um, or perhaps my grown-up brain is just blowing up a childhood memory all out of proportion. I don't know, and the fact is I'll never know, but I'm not the only one who's seen something similar. In fact, the phenomenon is so prevalent, it has a fucking name. So since becoming familiar with the term shadow person a few years ago, skeptic as I am, part of me wonders if I ought to count myself among the many people who claim to have seen what some believe to be a separate class of supernatural being altogether. Yes. Now, what exactly? <laughs> End of podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining for us, guys. We're gonna go back to TikTok now. Uh, <laughs> more memes to create. Uh, now, what exactly is a shadow person? You may ask. Well, it's a good question. I congratulate you for asking it out there. Well, um, <laughs> as with many terms having to do with the paranormal, I'm sad to say there's no real exactly to it, at least not at the moment. The phenomenon follows a general pattern, but admits of multiple interpretations depending on your mileage. And as far as I can tell, the concept is as old as the hills, but the term itself first entered the lexicon in April of 2001, when talk show host Art Bell interviewed a Native American elder named Thunderstrikes on his AM talk show, Coast to Coast AM. Uh, AM radio talk show, I should say, because it was late at night, mm. not in the morning. Uh, what a great name, too. Thunderstrikes? Damn. That's what I'm naming. It's <laughs> what I'm naming my first child. Uh, <laughs> listeners what a good were, name for a dog. Now, so the topic covered was shadow people, which was beginning, the phenomenon was beginning to get a little traction in pop culture, though it wasn't called shadow people yet. Um, and listeners to the Art Bell show or the Coast to Coast AM were encouraged to submit their own encounters, including some truly nightmare-inducing sketches you can still Google, and I recommend you do it, but mm. um, In October of that same year, author and cartoonist Heidi Hollis, H-O-L-L-I-S, published the first known book on the subject. Uh, she's kind of credited for coining the term shadow people. She would go on to be a frequent guest on Coast to Coast AM and is now a podcast host herself. Go her. Now, here's the Amazon blurb of arguably her magnum opus, The Hat Man, True Stories of Evil Encounters. Quote, have you seen this man? It was a simple image and question. Uh, it was a simple image and question posted online that sparked a worldwide awareness that he is Real. That last is in all caps. Um, <laughs> from the author who discovered him and told you about the shadow people, now learn of this new threat. Victims worldwide have reported seeing this man peering into their homes, their bedrooms, their cribs, their cars, their lives, and even into their souls. It starts with the feeling of not being alone, only to look to the foot of your bed and find that you were right. There's a stranger <laughs> in your room and you know that you see him. Worst of all, you know that he sees you. You try to scream or run only to find that you're paralyzed. Terror then reaches new levels as he approaches you, leans within inches of your face and lets you know that he is indeed your worst nightmare. This is the true story of the beginning of unthinkable horror that you have never heard before. Not many can say that they've named two paranormal phenomenon like Heidi Hollis with her personal story and almost 50 encounters detailed here in this book. You'll find that darkness can hide, but the light always wins. I just, for well, some reason, I wanted to read that last bit. Well, she sounds like, like a nice Berg. Southern lady. 
Um, well, so it's a bit zealous for my tastes. Right, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, what's described here falls rather neatly within the boundaries of a well-known neurobiological phenomenon, sleep paralysis. So let's mm-hmm. talk about sleep paralysis for a minute because it's not as cut and dry as people on either side of the fence like to think. There are several theories as to what causes it. Now, sleep paralysis belongs to a class of disorders characterized by abnormal behavior in sleep, including uh, movements uh, that your body normally wouldn't be free to do, and hypnagogic hallucinations, that is to say, hallucinations that happen on the threshold between wakefulness and sleep, which is most often the uh, kind of the, what generates uh, the sleep paralysis phenomenon. Now, researchers theorize these anomalies arise due to some snag in the overlap between REM sleep and wakefulness. Studies have found that individuals who experience sleep paralysis have shorter REM cycles than normal and that disrupting regular sleep patterns can precipitate an episode. Um, Another Mm. major theory is that the neural functions regulating sleep are out of balance in such a way that the various stages of sleep overlap. Essentially, the cells responsible in your brain for uh, signaling your brain to wake up have difficulty overriding the signals sent by cells responsible for keeping the brain asleep. During normal REM sleep, the threshold for stimulus to cause uh, arousal is elevated, right? In other words, when you're asleep, your brain's making sure that it takes a lot to get you out of it. Uh, uh, meaning, you know, it takes a lot to wake you up when you're in REM sleep. Under mm-hmm. normal conditions, mm-hmm. medical and vestibular nuclei, cortical, thalamic, and cerebrular, uh, cere- cere- medical shit, uh, <laughs> coordinates inside your brain. Cerebral? Um, cerebellar uh, centers oh. coordinate things such as head and eye cerebellar? movement. Cerebellar? Isn't your that Buffy orient- the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> Let me start that sentence again. (laughs) Under normal conditions, medical, uh, medial, not medical. The fuck is... I'm going to start again. (laughs) (laughs) Under normal conditions, medial... I put all these in here to sound smart, and the irony is I don't. Under normal (laughs) conditions, medial and vestibular nuclei, cortical, thalamic, and cerebellar centers coordinate things such as head and eye movement and your orientation in space. So when these can't be roused, your brain may wake up, but your body doesn't. The resulting panic triggers your amygdala, that's the oldest part of your brain, it's the reptile brain that sees everything in black or white, fight or flight. Um, the resulting it's panic- It's also not fully developed until you're probably 25. Yeah, yeah, and it's and even at fully developed, it's nothing to write home about. It's still a reactionary <laughs> fuck. Um, yeah. The resulting panic triggers your amygdala to manufacture some reason for the paralysis, and presto, a hypnagogic hallucination that oozes with menace. So, in other words, your your brain is like awake, but your but the same parts of your brain that are w- responsible for letting you move again haven't haven't roused and you're sitting there Mm -hmm. paralyzed but awake and your amygdala goes what the fuck is happening what this is not normal whatever and so your amygdala starts going what if it's because someone's laying on top of us and so you will start hallucinating things because your amygdala is really good at scaring the shit out of itself right well and and then too you think about the reason people sleepwalk mm -hmm. is because that paralyzation doesn't work on them Mm -hmm. so if they don't have anything to keep them down whatever they dream about when they're in that deep rim sleep they will react. They will get up and act out, and yes. so yes, yeah, and, that's and they why, react to their surroundings to um, 
sleepwalk they're studies. They're informed by it. Right. So there are certain things your brain does to make sure that you're, that, uh, so it's theorized, and I'm really distilling it all in a way that sounds really like I know what I'm talking about, and I promise you I don't. <laughs> but from what I understand, dreams are an essential part of how your brain processes it's kind of mental housekeeping. So your brain yes. shovels through. That's why some dreams are just kind of meaningless with like information you've taken in that day, but doesn't seem to have any real bearing on anything you're going through. It can, but often is not. It's just like weird shit that makes no sense. And it's your brain kind of, at least theorists think, that it's your brain cycling through a bunch of data that it's like, eh, well, it's weird. Figuring out where to file it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, so when you're one of the consequences of having those vivid dreams is, I mean, I guess they have to be vivid in order to play the role your brain needs them to play in processing. But so your brain then has to tell your body, hey, be careful. Don't act this out because it's not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if there's don't any move. kind of disruption yeah. in, in the part of your brain that tells your body to like, hey, when you're asleep, we don't move that much, then that's what causes sleepwalking. And that's why it's a serious problem, right? My brother was a, a pretty intense sleepwalker. Uh, and I myself had a number of sleep paralysis episodes. I don't count the, the one I just told you at the beginning of this bit because I was awake and able to move. But again, right. the sleep paralysis pattern is only one version of the shadow people uh, aesthetic <laughs> right <laughs> and, stories well and, and i'll say with i cuz i've i had um sleep paralysis it's usually corn it goes along with uh stress yes. and and not getting yes. enough sleep um mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so when i was younger uh i had them as i've gotten older my body's like screw you i would rather sleep so Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't have them anymore. Knock on wood. Uh, Same. But I, I, mine were not as vivid as a lot of people's. Mine, you know, I couldn't see. I could only uh, hear. So it was all auditory hallucinations. Mm, and it was mm. always that my. Uh, so my sweet mates. So I was in. I was in college. So I had a roommate, and then we had sweet mates, and we had we shared a bathroom. And it was always that her boyfriend was over, and he would come over and just watch me sleep. And oh, it was this weird so like weird. I can't get up because then he'll know that I know that he's there. But I also wanted to move, but I couldn't. And right. it was I was just frozen. But then the, my whole mental thing was, mm-hmm. it's probably best that I'm frozen right now. But what if he attacks? What if he does something? Then what am I going to do? And so it that happened a lot when I was in college. But um, some people will see will be yeah. able to see i just mine was in darkness yeah. which was probably a scarier thing for me yeah well but some, for some people it's some people have some, some people that do have their vision when they when they wake up in a state of sleep paralysis um they some people have very vivid hallucinations of like figures in the room sometimes it's multiple figures uh mm-hmm. it kind of resembles the alien abduction uh, trend mm-hmm. um and other people, they just see one being. Some people see nothing. They just they see an empty room, uh, as it should be. But but it's they get the sense that someone is there that's out of their eye line. Um, but the overwhelming majority of people who have sleep paralysis, whether whether they're seeing things or not, still feel that there is something in the goddamn room with them. So. I know I just gave you a bunch of, uh, you know, neurobiological terms and, and like a scientific explanation of the phenomenon um, when sleep paralysis really is only part of what we're discussing today. And for those of you that, that suffer from sleep paralysis and and are and tend to believe that it is something far more sinister than just your brain being a little out of whack chemically, uh, 
I'm not discounting that because it has to be said that, you know, I mean, as philosophers, we have to bear in mind that correlation is not causation. While it is possible, mm-hmm. even likely, that certain neurobiological states create the illusion of shadow people, we have to admit it's within the realm of possibility that these states simply coincide with them. Um, and so as kooky as Hollis's take may be, to my ears at least, it raises a point worth considering, namely that the only constant among the various accounts of shadow people uh, seem to be the the presence of the beings themselves. What they do, when and where they appear, and how the experience plays out is as varied as the witnesses who report them. One argument against um, the sleep paralysis angle is that a lot of people see them while they are fully awake and able to move. Now, opinions as to their origins and purpose range from extra-dimensional beings acting out some sinister agenda to demons of the underworld, doing pretty much the same thing. Um, the only consistent detail threading through the literature, apart from how these creatures look, is the feeling of menace they seem to exude. But even that's up for debate because in yeah. uh, because some folks believe them to be expressly evil, while others hypothesize the feeling of dread they induce is just an unfortunate byproduct of the means by which they manifest. Now, whether they exist independent of our perception or reside entirely in the dark recesses of the human mind, I just like saying that, the digital age... <laughs> has certainly added a new wrinkle to the mystery that wasn't present even in 2001. Um, One has only to peruse TikTok to find a slew (laughs) of footage supposedly showing shadow people lurking in the background of otherwise Mm -hmm. innocuous videos. So let's dissect a little further. I'm being that guy. (laughs) Do it. Dissect it. Get in there. The term itself, shadow person, is intriguing, and on the one hand, it evokes a pretty vivid picture even for people with little to no imagination. But on the other, it tells us almost nothing. It's a term that traffics in the absence of detail when you think about it. In some ways, a shadow person is just an outline, a suggestion, a mere hint that's filled in with an impenetrable darkness. It's this combination of recognizable shape and lack of specific features or expression that tends to make a shadow person so terrifying, so uncanny. Merriam-Webster defines the word shadow as, quote, a dark area or shape produced by a body coming between rays of light and a surface. Now, the word is sometimes used in reference to proximity, signifying oppressiveness or sadness and gloom in the metaphorical sense, as in a shadow fell across land. Um, uh, and it's that's just in noun form, accident, uh, incidentally. The, the word itself is quite versatile. In verb form, perhaps mm-hmm. the most telling definition is to follow closely. Now, there again, however, the term can just as easily send us in the opposite direction. To be afraid of one's own shadow, as the saying goes, is to be a wuss, terrified of something inconsequential. But the overarching theme is of a form created by the interruption of light. Now, since time immemorial, cultures have paired light and dark as polar opposites, one good, one evil, and it makes sense to which of that pair human beings would be partial. Light, after Mm -hmm. all, renders things visible, explicable, manageable. Darkness, on the other hand, does the opposite. It obscures, it screens, it deprives us of sight, leaving us vulnerable. Um, But that said, light could just as easily be a hindrance and darkness the advantage, particularly to our ancestors when, you know, who were maybe skulking through the foliage in search of prey and dependent on all the natural camouflage they could get. Um, This is a long walk for a simple point. I realize the term shadow is complicated. (laughs) Sometimes good, (laughs) sometimes bad, and pop culture is rife with examples of just how malleable this concept is. Let's let's talk about one that you may not have thought of. 
Peter Pan. Peter Pan's shadow, for instance, seems to signify ties to the past, particularly to a life we've abandoned or feel abandoned by. E.M. Barry's treatment of the concept is so rich, so complex, in fact, that unless I'm mistaken, his is the first example in modern letters of a shadow being its own character, one whose role in the story is integral. Peter's shadow is, after all, how he first meets Wendy. Because uh, when Peter was little, the story goes, he snuck out of the house one night, leaving his window open so he could get back in. And when he returns, he finds that his mother has forgotten about him and shut the window. Uh, his encounter with Wendy the first time repeats these elements in reverse, suggesting Wendy to be a kind of surrogate mother figure. Now, here's where the shadow comes in, because on his first visit, the closing window traps his shadow. Peter is compelled to leave it behind in order to escape. When he comes back to retrieve it, he meets Wendy, who generously sews the shadow back on for him. Now, Barry sees the shadow not only as Peter's tie to his unprocessed fears of abandonment, but also the element that gives him the ability to feel at all. So Peter is torn between discarding the shadow altogether for the sake of freedom and desperately needing it so that the freedom means something. I mean, after all, what's freedom if you can't feel shit? This is, of course, light years from the spin Once Upon a Time gives the same symbol. In the cult <laughs> television series, Peter's shadow is reimagined as a demonic entity that regulates Neverland and just so happens to strike Faustian bargains with those who wish to stay. In this iteration, Peter, a grown man, sacrifices his own son to the shadow to secure eternal youth. Bit darker version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, while Peter Pan gives us an early instance of an author treating the literal shadow as a character, perhaps no writer matches Robert Louis Stevenson's genius for rendering the shadow as a flesh-and-blood antagonist. Now, granted, the idea of the doppelganger, or double, is an old one. Nowadays, we tend to think of the doppelganger as just a quaint thing, like someone who just happens to look uncannily like us, and hopefully they're attractive, our non-biological <laughs> twin, if you like. But the word's origin is explicitly paranormal. It's a German term meaning double-goer, literally a ghost or shadow of yourself. Robert Louis Stevenson must have wondered whether such a double need be supernatural at all, whether someone might conjure up his or her own dark twin in the flesh using cutting-edge science. Hence, mild-mannered Dr. Jekyll's questionable experiments unleash the sinister Mr. Hyde upon the streets of London. Now, I say flesh and blood, but it's important to note here that it's Dr. Jekyll's flesh and blood. <laughs> Mr. Hyde inhabits him like a biblical demon, availing himself of a corporeal vessel to realize his host's darkest fantasies. But the issue here, and the reason the novel retains so much power this many years on isn't so much that it's about Jekyll's doppelganger. It's not that the doppelganger is something out there given free range to take control of us uh, through the misuse of technology. It's whether the shadow is something within us all along, a separate, fully formed personality lurking beneath the surface of who we think we are that's provoked uh, to come out when we meddle with our personal boundaries. Which brings me inevitably to psychologist, visionary, and cultural touchstone, Carl Gustav Jung. Love this guy. Ah, yes. Now, in Jungian psychology, the shadow archetype refers to those aspects of our personality that the conscious ego prefers not to acknowledge, and with good reason. In a wider sense, it represents the things we're just not conscious of. Um, it's basically the avatar of the occult and the unknown. Now, because we tend to reject the parts of ourselves we find less than desirable, the shadow is largely negative. And continuing the blocked light motif, we almost always process the existence of these undesirable traits 
traits by projecting them onto other people. This is one of the reasons we're so hyper-aware of certain character flaws in our fellow human beings. Deep down, we're really just chastising the same tendencies in ourselves, at least according to Jung. There are, however, positive aspects to the shadow. In someone who feels powerless or is racked with low self-esteem, the shadow represents all the things they're not. Such a person could, in theory, learn to identify with and assimilate their shadow with very positive results. Everyone carries a shadow, Jung wrote, and the less it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. In some respects, it's our link to a more primitive past, our animal instincts, if you like, which, of course, we're conditioned by society to override. This is incidentally why Mr. Hyde is portrayed as so vehemently antisocial. Society is his enemy. He is the instinct going, fuck you, I'm going to do this thing. You can't tell me no. Um, <laughs> according to Jung, the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to psychological projection in which a perceived personal inferiority is recognized as a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. Jung writes, that um, if these projections remain hidden, the shadow has carte blanche to take control. Um, meaning, uh, at the end of the day, projections insulate and harm us by acting as an ever-thickening veil of illusion between us and the real world. The shadow may come to us in dreams and visions in various forms and typically appears much like us. Um, the shadow's appearance and role depend greatly on the individual's personal history because it develops in the individual's mind rather than being inherited from the collective unconscious. Nevertheless, some Jungians maintain that the shadow contains, besides the personal shadow, the shadow of society as a whole, fed by neglected and repressed collective values. Interactions with the shadow in dreams can ironically shed light on our state of mind. A confrontation with the aspect of the shadow may indicate that one is racked by conflicting desires or at cross purposes. These are just some examples of the many possible roles the shadow may adopt. Like I said, it's complicated. On principle, it's difficult to identify characters in dreams because, you know, contents are blurred and they merge into one, uh, one another. Often, uh, like just like my words do, often someone or something... <laughs> Often someone or something that at first appears to be the shadow might actually represent some other archetype altogether. Dreams are just a wilderness of comings and goings and, uh, you know, layered with meaning and indistinct lines. Hence, Young also suggests that the shadow has more than one layer to it. The top layers contain the meaningful flow and manifestations of direct personal experiences. These are made unconscious in the individual by the normal process. We forget it or we actively repress it. Underneath these idiosyncratic layers, however, are the archetypes that form the psychic contents of all human experience. Our eventual encounter with the shadow, and we all encounter it, plays a central part in the process of individuation, that is to say, of psychological maturity. Jung noted that the process, quote, exhibits a certain formal regularity. Its milestones are various, but distinguished by remarkably consistent archetypal symbols across cultures. The first stage leads always to the experience of the shadow. The shadow personifies everything that the subject refuses to acknowledge about themselves and represents a tight passage, a narrow door whose painful constriction no one is spared who wants to go down the deep well. If and when an individual makes an attempt to see their shadow, they become aware of and often ashamed of those qualities it represents and begin to see them everywhere in other people. So, encountering one's shadow, we're faced with three choices. We can bury it, but of course, having seen it, we can't forget and are compelled to project our shadow onto others in an effort to dissociate. We can embrace and identify with the shadow, but this can lead us to follow Mr. Hyde's example, and that comes with its own problem. <laughs> <laughs> the third option seems the healthiest, but takes the most amount of work. We have 
have to maintain awareness of the shadow but resist identifying with it. Now, Carolyn Kaufman writes, in spite of its function as a reservoir for human darkness, or perhaps because of this, the shadow is the seat of creativity, suggesting that some people, at least, uh, see the dark side of being, uh, the sinister shadow, as the true spirit of life. Nevertheless, Jungians warn that acknowledgement of the shadow must be a continuous process throughout one's life. And even after the focus of individuation has moved on to other stages, shadow integration is necessary at every step. Now, going through all this, I wonder whether the alarming prevalence of shadow people these days is in fact just a new species of psychological projection. It can be argued that social media and the sheer volume of information on the internet now bring us into contact, vivid contact, with life's dark side. We're made aware of so many awful fucking people on a daily basis. <laughs> oh my god. People whose words, actions, whose very frame of reference makes no sense, but that nonetheless stir a deep-seated fear within us that maybe we share some common and traits. Maybe shadow people are just a strange offshoot of how we process real people. That's not to say they're necessarily figments of our imagination, uh, that they don't have substance. We'll get into that. But consider for a moment that the shadow person's closest relative in pop culture, as far as I can tell, is the men in black. Here come men in black. Not those men in black. The bad ones. <laughs> Stories of mysterious figures and dark clothing haunting the fringes stretch back to the dawn of recorded history, at least. The devil is often personified as such a being, so for that matter are angels. <laughs> this is a large topic deserving of its own episode or two, but for the purposes of this discussion, let's boil them down to their essence. Though often seen as paranormal in and of themselves, the men in black have a strange relationship to paranormal phenomenon. In effect, they serve as a warning. Anyone who's seen something they shouldn't have, something beyond the pale that blurs the lines of accepted reality, receives a threatening visit. Most often, it seems, the job of the MIB is to muzzle witnesses of UFOs, for example. Incidentally, the first person to report a modern MIB encounter was, as it happens, one of the first witnesses to record on record to have seen a UFO, a guy named Harold Dahl, uh, D-A-H-L, same as the author of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> on June 21st, 1947, Dahl was gathering logs near the eastern shore of Washington's Maury Island when six donut-shaped craft began hovering about a mile above his boat. He was with his son and his dog. One I of these- I had to say donut. <laughs> Oh, God, why well, I should have just said bagel. Uh, one of the <laughs> Bagel shaped would be better, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. One of these craft appeared to malfunction and actually fell about 1,500 feet crashing into the water. The metallic debris rained down, some of which actually injured Dahl's son and killed their dog. Dahl oh, took pictures yeah. of the remaining craft with his camera and later showed his supervisor, a guy named Fred Crisman. Crisman went back to the scene and himself saw the strange craft. The next morning, Dahl was visited by a man in black. The, the man offered to buy him breakfast at a local diner where he then recounted every pertinent detail of Dahl's story before Dahl had had a chance to get a word in edgewise. According to Gray Baker's 1956 book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, the man told Dahl that if he spoke of the incident, bad things would happen. 
In later years, Dahl and Crisman would insist the events of Maury Island were a hoax, but it's widely believed among ufologists that the men simply backpedaled to avoid another visit from the MIB. And either way, thus began a trend now part and parcel to the UFO experience. You see something unexplainable, the men in black show up, behave oddly, and proffer vague warnings lest you tell your story to the world. The irony being this tactic seldom seems to work, or maybe it does in the stories we know are just the tip of the iceberg. Point being, if we superimpose the classic MIB pattern onto Jung's map of the conscious mind encountering the shadow, there are similarities. Something happens that violently stretches the boundaries of how we see the world and ourselves. Some repressed part of our unconscious springs up in response to this, at once vaguely recognizable and terrifyingly other. It takes on sinister dimensions and seems, at least at first blush, to be a warning. From there, either we heed the warning and adopt a policy of selective ignorance, or we go further down the rabbit hole and see what happens. Think Luke Skywalker in the cave. This seems to bear a lot in common with the classic shadow person encounter, and not just because some shadow people are said to wear a fedora-style hat, like the hat man that Hollis uh, talks about in her book. And again, I don't mean to suggest that they're all in our heads. If even a fraction of those TikTok captures are real, there's something more complicated going on than just hypnagogic goddamn hallucinations. To illustrate what I mean, what I mean, I will leave you with a story that intersects rather well, albeit somewhat cheekily, with the points I've been trying to raise. Writer investigator John Keel, best remembered for his book The Mothman Prophecies, and who himself You love him so much. He's just fun. He's so fun. <laughs> um, who himself had several run-ins with the MIB while investigating UFOs, uh, gives us a fascinating anecdote in the Mothman Prophecies that has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's fun. In the early part of the 20th century, he writes, a successful pulp writer created an endearing masked superhero, arguably the era's first. The character appeared as the protagonist of a radio serial, but went on to appear in over 60 novels, comic books, video games, and five films, inspiring such icons as Batman and Doctor Strange. His characteristic outfit lent him an air of menace, while the supernatural tricks he'd picked up on his travels in the Orient were his stock and trade against the forces of evil. He draped himself in a long trench coat, covered his face with a bright red scarf, and wore a floppy, wide-brimmed hat. Criminals mm. feared him. Audiences all over the world knew and loved him. He was a phenomenon. Darkwing Duck. Yes. <laughs> but he inspired Darkwing Duck, too. The Absolutely. author, a guy named Walter B. Gibson, went on to write many other things in his career, but none of them even approached the popularity of his dark, masked Avenger. By an odd coincidence, and really, to call it odd is kind of an understatement, after Gibson's death in 1985, the New York brownstone where he penned the bulk of the hero's adventures was said to be haunted. Not by Gibson, and not by some bitch in white. In fact, neither Gibson <laughs> nor anyone who lived there before him reported anything out of the ordinary. No, the apparition skulking the hallways of Gibson's old brownstone strongly resembled not a living person, but rather the famous fictional masked hero he created. The hero's name? The Shadow. Yes. What's fun about that is that I came up with the title... <laughs> and uh, I didn't know all this. And so I was like, hey, I want to do the shadow nose. Uh, I think it'll be fun. And and then it And, then and it I was like, yes, 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 yes. I love that. That's perfect. I love it. But isn't that it? So Keel's point in that story is that he he thinks that uh, th such things, it's like tulpas, which are, it's a, it's a, 
Tibetan concept, I believe. Uh, Tulpas are uh, apparitions that are given form. They are psychological projections that are given actual substantive existence on the outside. You can, you know, monks can sometimes train themselves to bring a tulpa into being. And Kiel and others would argue that sometimes people can bring tulpas into being by accident. Right. Um, because of some psychological turmoil that they're not processing or not able to process. And so... Well, you think about Slenderman yes. and uh, people believing Slenderman, all of a sudden he's real for them, mm-hmm. Tulpa. So they see it. They And I think there's a lot of things now, especially because things are, you know, with the internet and everything, with that, they're internets. Um, <laughs> but people can share a lot of information yeah. And if a lot of people are believing the same thing, then who's going to stop that from be- that energy from redirecting itself into the truth? Well, exactly. And and if um, you know, I, I, there's a fine line between mind and matter, and and we don't always know where it is. In fact, you know, you you kind of have to take a stand one way or the other. But there's always there's never enough information to make a truly informed decision. I believe mm-hmm. on the issue. But you know, like I said, it could be that you know, I, I think growing up now. Uh, with social media and the internet, I think you a lot of things are thrown at you uh, very early on before you're you're ready to process them, and so it creates a lot of inner turmoil. And so the incidents of young people, in particular, having you know seeing apparitions like the shadow people, could be that they have real existence out there, and but these beings are still projections of their psychological conflict. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know, but I think it's very telling that they have. You know that they are dark, that they are shadow, and that they take a they take on a mysterious cast. I mean, the, the most striking detail about the shadow people is that they they look vaguely like people, but they don't feel like people, and yeah. that that seems like a pretty appropriate metaphor for what you for what someone going through something feels about themselves. I am a person, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I'm myself anymore. So you become kind right. of a shadow of your former self. Um, and again, I'm not suggesting that when you see a shadow person, it's all in your head. I'm suggesting that maybe what's in your head has a way of getting out there. I don't know what yeah. that is, but that's kind of terrifying. Keel's point in the the whole shadow apparition story, the the hero shadow apparition, is that isn't it interesting that like this this pop culture phenomenon kind of took on a life of its own. People just started believing he was real, and so we were able to make a ghost collectively mm-hmm. that actually resided in that house for a little. While. I think the house has since been demolished. If I'm not wrong about, I hope I'm not wrong about that. But uh, but for a time after Gibson's death, people were seeing the apparition. People who never heard of the shadow. People who didn't grow up in that age and didn't really know, because the shadow, you know, went mm-hmm. through a period where no one knew uh, who he was until after the right. Alec Baldwin movie. He was pretty obscure. So the, the people who were living in that house never, didn't know who William Gibson was, never read any of his works, because many of them aren't available anymore, hadn't seen print in years, and and had never listened to the radio plays or anything like that, because it was a different generation, any more than, you know, a 14-year-old has seen, you know, the Golden Girls, although maybe with TikTok some of them have. Maybe but the point have. is, like, people that had never, okay. ever had any experience of of the shadow as a character, we're seeing the ghost of the shadow <laughs> in mm-hmm. this brownstone. Uh, it's just it's interesting food for thought. If Keel wasn't really completely cool. making that shit up, it's a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. You want to hear some stories? I hear do. Stories? I do. Do we need to take a little break? Let's first? take a little break to re up our, our uh, libations. And uh, no. yes, we'll be right back. Okay. Hey, Michael. <gasps> hey, Jamie. Did you know that we don't have any commercials in this podcast? I do, and I think that's something we should be proud of. Right. Uh, We now have a commercial in this podcast. God (laughs) damn it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's for our Patreon, though. It's for us. Oh, that's different. It's for us. It's not. It's not a commercial. It's an. It's. It's an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's so, an extension of what we already do. Exactly. So we want everybody to know that we do have a Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/slash Ghoul Intentions. And you can help support the podcast there. We're not doing commercials, uh, which is where a lot of people make a lot of money. But right now, we want to make sure that we maintain uh, no commercials for you guys, except for this one. (laughs) So (laughs) the way that Patreon works, if you don't understand, it's a way that people can support art and artists financially so that uh, they can keep doing what they love. This podcast is something we love. We would love to keep doing it. It does take time and a lot of effort, and we do pay our engineer, Matt. So anything that you can do to help us, we would really appreciate it. We have several different tiers. Um, At $8, starting at $8, you can become part of our Discord. Discord is like an online chat, and we uh, it has some really cool things. There's a whole community that started there, a really great support system. There's a section where they talk about anxieties. Michael has a book club on the higher tier. It's really fun, Um, and it's a great way to just kind of talk to people and and kind of it's a kind of it's a great way to reinforce the Google Intentions community too. Most of you are probably familiar with Discord, but I love how much you can customize it. Yes, yes. And so uh, one of the things that we do is we have chats. So at the $8 level, you can get on Discord. At the $20 level, you're a Phantasm member, and that is $20 a month, but you become more of an integral part of the podcast. We take topic uh, suggestions from them. They also get the truth as they get priority with ghost story readings. (laughs) I mean, it's true. Um, It's true. Um, There's also the... uh, uh, titles. A lot of titles we have are suggested by our Phantasm members, and that's where the book club is. So what we do is twice a month, we have chats with those Discord members. The first chat of this month will be on Tuesday, the 19th of May, 2020. So looking forward and to it. Yes, it will be at 7 p.m. Central. And we will chat. You guys can ask questions. It's kind of a Q&A about the podcast and ghosty kind of things. And it lasts about an hour. And that is for everyone on the Discord. Yes. And we, we've done it a couple of Tuesday- times. And it's really, really yeah, fun. It's really fun. It's really, really cool. On Tuesday the 26th, we have another one. But that's for the Phantasm. Tasm level and higher and higher. It's only it only goes. To <laughs> <laughs> but we have another pod, uh, uh, chat uh, scheduled for them on the twenty sixth and a Tuesday. And then, as a special to everyone uh, on the Discord, because we don't have conventions right now and people aren't getting to talk about you know anime and cartoons and video games, the things that uh, we do outside of the podcast, we're going to do a third special chat on Friday the 29th, also at 7 p.m. All of these are going to be at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, just so we can talk. It's an all skate. <laughs> you can just <laughs> ask whatever. You can talk about whatever. And it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you can, please support us at uh, on our Patreon, Google Intentions. Thank you so much to everybody yeah, thank that you. is listening and being supportive and sending us good energy because Lord knows I need it technically. <laughs> and I need it just emotionally as well as... <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, it's a bit, thank you, guys. We love doing this show, but you guys can really help us make it really amazing, even more amazing than it already is. And uh, yeah. we love supporting uh, the community that's kind of grown up around it, so that'll really help. So if you can, please take part. We'd appreciate it and help us you know, come up with more content. That's right. Okay. Moving on with the rest of the show. 
Guess who knows? Only the shadow. Ooh, that evil laugh too at the end of the like. That, I don't know, the classic evil laugh that the announcer gave after saying that laugh oh, was always yeah. phenomenal. Was. Oh, I used to listen to all classic. those old radio shows because my, my grandparents grew up with them, so they had nostalgic. Yeah. They were very nostalgic for them, and when they were made available on cassette tape, they bought them all, and I was like, I'm going to listen to this. And they had a tape they had a tape deck built into an old radio in their oh, li- nice. in the library, and so I'd go in there and we listened to it together. It was so much fun, so I got to, I don't know, I credit it with having given me a, a lot of imagination because I wasn't allowed to watch television but for a couple of hours a day. Right. But I was allowed to listen to these radio plays as often as I wanted. That's nice. Yeah, it's really cool. I like that. Okay, so here are some some stories. Scare the Shabby shit out of us, people. Jamie. I'm ready to be So spooked. I got everything that I have I got from Reddit. Um, it's such a resource. There's a whole subreddit on shadow people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of these are recent. So that's kind of fun, too, within the past month or two. Nice, 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 So, user Katriana98 asked the following question on one of the topics. Anyone had any experiences with shadow people? I put it in quotations because I'm not sure how else to describe it. I thought it was just a normal shadow person before I found someone with a similar experience. A tall shadow person with exaggerated arms, legs that seemingly came out of nowhere and tried to touch you. Random smaller encounters with beings that don't seem right. Here are a few replies to her. They haven't attempted to touch me yet, so I don't know how to help you. They normally just stand around or are moving around me. I see them as tall shadows with a head, never arms or legs, except the one time I saw one reach for my bedroom door handle. Also, ever since I was a teenager, I'm 45 now, I've seen who I call the dark man. I saw him first at my childhood home, then he followed me to college, graduate school, and to my new home. I never interacted with him, only ever seen him around. I don't get a sinister feeling when I see him. In fact, I get no feeling at all. It's more like, oh, the dark man's hiding behind the bush, or the dark man is out back again. <laughs> wow, to just to be so blasé <laughs> I know. I like about it. I'm like, a, that's a guy. It feels like a healthy response. Yeah, like, oh, okay, not not. It's there, but it's not a big deal. So it's like, oh, look, the dark man's trying to scare to me again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> or he's scared of me if he's hiding behind the bush. Oh, good point. Uh, another one. Yeah, I was staying at my coworker's place for the night. I was on the couch in the lounge and first time away from my wife, so I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I was trying to sleep and heard his roommate use the bathroom, so I looked into the hallway to see if I could catch him walk past, but instead saw a shadow figure. It walked into the lounge, and I thought it was his roommate getting ready to go to work, and he was trying to be quiet around 4 a.m. at this moment. I got up, and it looked at me and got real close. I turned on the lights, and nothing was in front of me. My body sank. I was, like, thinking, fuck that, and <laughs> stayed up the whole night. I told my co- co-worker the next day, and he didn't believe me, but his roommate did and said I was not allowed to go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Good roomating. Yeah. Uh, I had four come into my room at once. And two on either side of me were grabbing my arms. It felt like they were trying to pull me out of my body. Oh, so that reminds Uh, me of the kind of the typical alien abduction motif. Yes. You know, there's a lot of of crossover. Yeah. 
when I was about 15, my brother, sister, and I were home alone while our parents were out. My siblings loved to gang up on me, so I left my sister's room where they were and walked down the hall to mine. I was sad and mad, laying on my bed, and suddenly felt one of my siblings looking at me. I looked up into my doorframe, and there was a shadow man standing there, filling the whole frame, just pure black darkness, nothing else. It gave me that sick feeling like despair. I gasped, and my siblings ran down the hall, and we cowered on my bed till our parents got home. They didn't even know what happened or what I saw. They just felt something eerie, too. That's why they ran to my room. Ew, <laughs> still so creepy to me. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Um, Ew. I used to see them a lot, not so much anymore. I never got the impression that they were malicious or ill-intentioned, and for the most part, we ignored each other. Once I lived in a place where I saw one, it seemed very ill-intentioned and threatening. I broke my lease and left when things got a little too crazy. It didn't have any features, though, just a vaguely human-sized and shaped mass of black in that case. Hmm. Hmm. One other person tells a story of someone else. I heard a story from a guy once. He was a young teen and played with a friend outside on a playground. It was dark. Suddenly, he saw a black figure uh, standing between the trees by the forest that began behind the playground. He asked his friend if he saw him too, and he agreed. He told the man was all black, not like a person in black clothes, just totally black with no visible features. Very common. Mm, yep, yep. He felt he felt very cold suddenly and scared and just told his friend to run. They ran away to the streetlights, and he turned around. The black figure stand, was standing now near the swings right where the boys had been seconds before. But it was impossible to make it there in such a short time, he said. Uh, as if it's, It was as if the person had teleported there. He says he doesn't want to mm. think about what would have happened if they would not have run away. Oh, oh, oh. Then... So that was answers to that one question. Right. Then I looked up some other stories, and here are some of those. Yes. This is from Blue, Fu- Blue Fluff Cat 24. <laughs> I love Reddit. It's one of my names. favorite things about Reddit is the names. Okay. <laughs> this experience was quite a few years ago when I was around 12 or 13, and I was at my grandmother's. She used to live out in the country. Uh, about, uh, out in the countryside, about half an hour from my house. I guess that's what city folks say. Out in the countryside, we just say country yeah. if you live Con- in the country. Yeah, countryside. Right. Countryside, no, just the country. Countryside is also a very British way of putting country. Oh, so may- maybe, maybe the <clears throat> users from Britain, yeah. maybe. Maybe. Uh, So she used to live out in the countryside, about half an hour away from my house. One night, my mother had to bring something to her. And it was late, and I was tired, so I decided to stay in the car out in the driveway. I was in the front seat just minding myself, thinking about what I'd do when I got back home. And as I was sitting there, I noticed something at the side of my eye, circling the car. Being tired, I just shrugged it off, but then I saw it come back around again and then again. Not sure if my eyes were playing on a, sh- a trick on me, I decided to look up and see if it was maybe a bat or something. Biggest mistake. I looked up, and what I see still horrifies me. I saw a tall, dark shadow figure and another shorter one just behind it. When my eyes met what I suppose was its head, it turned its head towards me. What I could make out was nothing. Absolutely nothing. There was no face. Like a dark, slender man, I guess I could say. Its arms were also stretched and thin, going to about knee length. 
The moment I saw all this, I quickly turned away, almost snapping my neck in the process. I was then stuck, paralyzed by a dominating fear. Whatever this thing was, it hated the fact that I looked directly at it. Mm. My head felt like it would explode. I remember just being tense all over and sinking into the car seat. I'm not quite sure how, but I was able to sum up enough courage to jump out of my mother's car and run into my grandmother's house and slam the door behind me, my heart pounding and my head splitting. I just mm. sat quietly down mm. by my mom, 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 it is British, ah, uh, yep. and didn't say anything. She was just finishing her tea with my grandmother. On the way back home, I told my mom, and she was really concerned because we both feel that there was a lot of toxic energy at that place. I also found out the guy who lived there before went mad and shot off his wife's hand. Mad, mad, I mad, tell you. Mad, mad. Throw the champagne glass up at the fireplace. Uh, <laughs> and shot off a hand. That's oddly oh, specific. Oh, it's very evil Years dead. later, and I still think about what I saw there, and it still troubles me. I'm wondering what other people might think and what they themselves have experienced, if similar. Ooh. Ooh. From Susaro TV. <laughs> I asked them to show themselves, and they multiplied. Has oh. this ever happened to anyone else? Also, they were small when I would see them, like the height of a small child. Mm. I would catch them peeking at me from behind doors or walls. When I asked them to show themselves, they became huge, and their presence took up the entire room. One reply like, to this person. They're okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you ask and you shall receive. Mm. One reply said, same thing happened to me, man. There's like 20 running around now. It's brutal. Some of them give me a bad fucking vibe. <laughs> Some of them? Some of them. So it, that was something I found a lot, too, is they come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm, Little, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. childlike size is very common. Mm-hmm. And the big, giant, looming is also, mm-hmm. you know, an, an option. <laughs> you can also <laughs> All receive. makes and models. Woo! This is posted by Colonel Katz. Yesterday, I had a friend over. She was sitting by the east wall in the den that has a mirror on it. There was a noticeably different paint patch by the mirror. She touched it and was flush with the normal paint. However, we've never noticed this patch. She turned to look at it, and it blinked out. Gone. Just normal wall. (laughs) Seeing this, I screamed. (laughs) She looked back at it. So my idea, what I'm assuming is she put her hand against the wall through the shadow. Oh, okay. So she was touching all the way into the wall. Um, A portal. And then they were like, go away, shadow. And then you could see straight through to the wall without any shadow um so that's why she screamed i looked at it (laughs) the light patch appeared (laughs) yeah uh after a second we noticed that it was facing the other direction completely flipped once we pointed out the flip it walked across the wall and disappeared and we both watched this i apologized for screaming and said it could return to its spot after five minutes it came back we asked if it could flip, and the entity did it while we were watching. Politely asked if he could do a blink out, blink in for my friend, and he did that too. Hmm. I even had a picture of it. However, if my fiancé sees it, it immediately takes off. I'm just wondering if anyone else has something in their wall that moves too. How strong could it be? Any theories? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, don't, I don't know. That one's... Cool, but creepy, but cool at the same time because it is responsive, yeah. right? It's going to, yeah. okay, sure, I'll flip for you. I'll, you know, I'll be your huckleberry or whatever. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so the next one is from Inak, I-N-A-K, 14. Mm-hmm. When I was 17, I'm 25 now, I used to go to a religious school and lived in an all-girls dorm. One night, me and my friends were staying up late having a sleepover. Suddenly, I felt something bad. My body was on high alert, and I saw them, three or four shadow people standing together. They had no feet. It was like a long torso extending from the ground with wispy, long fingers. I could see no features, but I knew where their features were because they were hollow. The the figures were pitch black. I could see them straight on, same as I could my friends. But no one else could see them other than me. And because of that... I just started freaking out and got incredibly scared. In the beginning, they were just standing, staring at me. But when I got in bed in terror, they got lower into the ground and tried to reach me with their hands. We slept in bunk beds, and I slept at the bottom bed. And my best friend at the time was in the top one. I had this belief, which I still have, that if I am fully under the covers, I'm safe. (laughs) We all have it. Um... Uh, But that night, I felt one of them touch my leg, so I bolted up and went into my friend's bed. The shadow people got longer from the ground and were trying to drag me again. My best friend was very sympathetic. She put her headphones on me and some songs and helped me calm down. Some of my other friends who, of course, couldn't see them, as I was the only one who could, were making jokes, which at the time made me angry. Of course, I would imagine. Finally, I fell asleep after almost an hour of seeing them while I was completely awake. I know that they were real and they were with us. I've tried to tell myself that I was hallucinating, but I wasn't on anything. I haven't seen the shadow people since, but sometimes I get the scary feeling that there's something else in the room beside me. Oh, Oh, I love it. I love it. Azaris commented on that post. I had an experience with shadow people when I was a little kid, like three or four years old. I was laying down for a nap, and there were three of them at the end of my bed, just staring at me. They were super tall and had long arms and fingers. I could not see through them. They were solid. They had no distinguishing features either. They were at the end of the bed, so I could not see their legs or feet. I remember seeing them, then falling asleep. When I woke up, they were gone, and I was laying across the end of the bed. Oh, and I don't know if it matters, but it was the middle of the day, like the sun was shining into the window and it was hot. It's strange to me that I remember this experience in very vivid detail as I was so young. Hmm. Yeah, see, I I get that. I get that because I can remember my own pretty vividly. Yeah. So someone asked Azaris if they were afraid, and they replied, no, not at all. I was really young, and there was no internet back then. We didn't even have cable TV until I was like 12, so I wasn't exposed to anything that would cause me to be frightened or even to imagine something like that. That said, I remember being super relaxed, enough so that I was able to fall asleep immediately. Hmm. Different experience. Yeah. See, it, oh, the, the range is so interesting. Yeah. I think I think it depends a lot on where the person is mentally, psychologically in yeah. their life as to what what kind of cast the the shadow people tend to take on. Um, yeah. I mean that, that seems to be the, the the running theme there, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We have more. We have so many more. <laughs> Pray continue. Sir Yeterton. <laughs> yeah. I once all had I heard, an experience. All I heard was you saying, sir, yeet your tongue. No. Like you were yeet telling. Yeet your tongue. Yeet your tongue. All right. Like yeet, yeet, yeet her tongue. Her tongue. 
Yeah. Uh, I once had an experience with them before, although not just one. I was surrounded by a group of shadow people. It was a late summer night, probably 3 a.m., and during that night, I had nothing to do in a small town. I moved in two months before, so I went out and rode my bike around town alone in the dark. As I was riding my bike, I was passing by a cemetery, and as I was passing through, I felt like I was being watched. So... I stopped dead in my tracks, close by a streetlight, but not directly under it, and looked around. At first, I didn't see anyone, but the feeling never went away, so I stayed put to see what happened. And after a few seconds, I saw one shadow person just standing outside of the light, emitting from the streetlight. Then another, just down the road, off to the side near the trees. And another, which looked like a child standing under a tree that's across the road. And the shadow child waved at me, and I waved back. Then I looked around to see more shadow people that appeared out of nowhere at different distances. Some were close and some were farther down. As the whole thing was happening, I wasn't creeped out or scared. Like I was unfazed by the whole thing. Then after like 10, uh, like more than 10 seconds, I blinked and all of them disappeared at once. My one and only reaction I had was, huh, that was cool. then continued to ride my bike like it didn't actually happen i've had things like this happen to me before so i was already used to it by that point as i had experiences um before but this was the most notable experience i've had it waved what's so nice of them i know really friendly of them or themselves it's the ones where it's multiple that i am like hmm now we've where are we with the multiple uh-huh. shadow figures, mm-hmm. right? And Ugh. adults and children. Now, this being by a cemetery, energy there might be a little bit different. So, you know, there's who yeah. knows? But, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But I'm also not a big believer in that cemeteries are super haunted because why are you going to? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's right. just not a logical place to haunt. Unless you are haunting a cemetery because you like to go to the cemetery. And that's possible. Yeah, I can see my mother haunting a cemetery. Right, right. She sort of does that already. Yeah, it's just been an extension of what she does in life. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, So the next one was posted by Erlecta. Sure, 95. (laughs) Since I was a kid, I've always felt like I wasn't alone in the hallway of my parents' house. I feel like a lot of us felt that way, to be fair. It's to be fair, uh, especially at night. It's That's a just short good parenting. Bu- <laughs> yeah, right. You don't want to come out of your room. That's always terrifying. Uh, it's a short but relatively dark hallway. So there's that. I had an operation nine years ago. When I came back home after that, they showed themselves to me. During my first night back home, I woke up and saw one of them. I'm pretty sure it was looking at me. It was the first time I looked directly at one. Before that night, I always saw them out of the corner of my eye. I took a good look at them, and it walked out of my room, blended into the dark. It was also weird. They also always seemed to vanish. After that, I saw glimpses of them during my night shifts at the hospital. Some of them felt familiar, like the ones in home. Some of them were complete strangers and sometimes made me feel unsafe. I remember one time one of them was in a bathroom while I was having a shower in my house. That made me uncomfortable and a little upset. I grumbled for a while, and after that, I haven't seen one. I still feel and know they are watching me at nights. They don't disturb me in general. They are observing, but I don't really understand what they're observing or why. Hmm. A lot of people really cool. a lot of people report that they feel like they're being studied. Yeah. yeah. That's that alien abduction thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
interesting about this one um, was, let's see. Oh, that they saw them after the surgery. So I imagine when they came home, they were medicated. If you have yep. surgery, you're medicated. And so there's this, you know, suspended, you know, like the, like the it wall the... is down. Yeah, yeah. That wall is down. Like if you're drinking some or you're, you know, medicated in that way. In fact, one person had a whole thing of like, all right, here's what you need to do MDMA wise so that you can see them too. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it was a whole recipe. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, maybe don't do that. I want to experience really find the perfect cocktail. Yeah. Like right. shadow like, people like, cocktail. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, I thought that was really funny. That's great. I love that. <laughs> but it is interesting, though, if you have medication that you're more likely to see and experience things. Not necessarily hallucinating. Mm -hmm. That you might just not have your wall up anymore. So this user's name is Robots Against Children. <laughs> 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 and it brings me joy. Uh, I just spit out my, uh, my my ass. I just spit out my, my ice. <laughs> Please don't do that. No, I not. spit out my ice so I could laugh. And man, okay, it was what I said was so much funnier. Yeah. Spit I, out my ass. That made me spit out my ass. <laughs> it's going to be a new thing. <laughs> There's a That's what he's saying. I think I spit out my ass <laughs> on that spit one. out my ass a little bit. Heavens. <laughs> this is uh, good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, sorry. So, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'll used stop to being see crude. the hat. Right. Yeah, I uh, used to see the Hat Man a lot when I was a kid. And aside from the normal characteristics of being silhouetted, black shape of a dude in a fedora, the thing that sticks uh, most in my mind is how it would dart out of sight when it knew I had noticed it watching me. The way it jerked out of sight so quickly, it was just so inhum inhumanely fast. Mm. Inhumanly fast? Inhumanly. Inhumanely fast. Both of those. There's two different, uh, yeah. Inhumanely. It's not very, it's not very inhumane. humane to scare the shit out of me, so it's inhumanely as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, but it was real fast and unnatural, almost like it was electric or something. Uh. I don't know how to describe it, but it was not normal. Hmm. I wondered if you felt yeah, like see, the like way it moved was weird. Well, that's mine certainly moved weird in my mm -hmm. periphery. It was very fast and it was making all these mm -hmm. weird gestures, but it was like watching uh, a film of someone doing that sped up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, now, one of the things I came across, I didn't want to get into it real, in, in some of the comments, there was a little discussion about <laughs> different hats mean different things. <laughs> if he's wearing a trilby hat, he's a hipster. They said if he's wearing a fedora, that's how you know it's really bad. And I was like, he's going to try to make you a shitty cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know. That's the, that's the, we call that the milady shadow man. Right. Ugh. So what if they're wearing like he, a, I don't know, like a, like a. A cowboy uh, hat? Yeah, like a cowboy hat. Then they're going to be a perfect gentleman. Yes, lovely. They're wearing a ball cap. Maybe a little they're racist just... at the same time, though, so it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hashtag not all cowboys. Not all cowboys. Not all cowboys. A lot of uh, them, but not all. If it was uh, if it was the hat that says MAGA on it oh in the God. darkness, 
Right. Then but then you would t- know. That's, I want someone to read a story, like to find a story of someone that sees a shadow person and the only detail they can make out is the red MAGA hat. Yeah. And then you're and like, like, it's oh, an idiot oh, and racist. Oh, ah. Okay. Yep. Hollis is, um, Heidi Hollis is onto something. The hat man's yeah. fucking evil. Right. We don't want to get political, but these are our beliefs. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay. Uh, it's hard this to talk from... about good and evil without falling into certain things. Sorry, go on. Uh, my Blind Stories posted. I hmm. saw a shadow man in the basement, which is why I'm including this one. Uh, fuck a basement. Uh, basement of a boyfriend's house in Hamtrack, Tramp, Hamtramp. I don't know what that is. <laughs> But I, don't, that's what, I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't think that's the right spelling of what they're trying to say. It's probably Hamtramck, but it looks like Hamtramck. Hamtramck. Uh, Hamtramck, Michigan. I was alone in his house, and it was old and spooky. You would feel like someone or something was watching you. I ignored and tried to. Uh, I ignored it and kept trying to ignore those feelings. The morning the boyfriend had left for work. I had taken a shower, and my clothes were in the dryer. I was wearing just a towel and went to the basement to get my clothes. It was the middle of winter, and at least a foot of snow was on the ground. I planned to grab my clothes and get dressed and leave. I like to put my clothes on straight out of the dryer when it's cold out. I went to the basement and was halfway down the steps when I saw the shadow man. He was turned to his side, and I could see his full profile from head to toe. He was black on black, but I could see the details of his clothing the lapel of his suit, the dress shirt he was wearing, and buttons that I could see. The cut and fit of the suit was perfect, like tailor-made. It looked expensive. He seemed to move like he was on a conveyor belt or something, moving oh, on a moving yeah, sidewalk. See? There we get he to seemed the weird to move, movements. Yeah. Something told me not to look at him anymore because he would notice me and look back at me, and then I would have to see that he had red eyes. Since this incident, I have heard others that have seen shadow people, and they say they've had red eyes. I ran from the basement and out of the house, grabbed my keys and purse on the table, and ran out the door. I always kept my purse and keys by the door in case I had to leave quickly. I could not ignore the eerie feeling I got in that house that made me keep my purse by the door. (laughs) I hopped into the car and went straight to my mother's house in Detroit, about 10 minutes away. I show up at my mother's house, visibly freaked out, wearing a towel, and no shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Or socks. Snow up to my calves. (laughs) My mother said, what did you see? It's that damn house. She said she had gotten an eerie feeling one time when she went there for dinner. Mm. See, that seems like that might be more. Yeah. That might be. Especially if if mom's feeling it too. Yeah. Right? Or something different maybe. Who knows? But I like that one. So and then let's see. What is uh oh, this is the last one. And this one's my favorite. Yes, yes, please. I've never seen a shadow person. This is from Rixie249. I've never seen a shadow person wearing a hat, though frequently I see shadow people without, ever since I was a little kid. Similar, though, when I was in boarding school, I saw a roughly seven-foot-tall shadow person with a burlap sack mask on its head looming over my roommate, who I hated. (laughs) It didn't look at me, but I I could feel it knew I was awake. Being 16, half-asleep, and having a somewhat decent relationship with the shadow people I'd seen, I smirked and whispered, get her. (laughs) (laughs) oh that is a mood (laughs) about about an hour later my roommates 
Now you know why it's my favorite. That's great. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, about an hour later, my roommate started screaming, waking me up for about a full minute before going back to sleep. She didn't remember it the next day, but everyone else in the dorm did. <laughs> I was wondering if I had encountered something like this before or had any interactions with hat-wearing shadow people. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Get her. <laughs> Get her. Get her. So she's a, she, she's a bitch. She deserves it. I love it. That's I love it. Great. So there's, there hey. is a, a central kind of theme, but also they can be very different in the types yeah. and... Yeah. And the experiences. And and some some of them seem like, you know, they're that these people are seeing like their own distinct species of, of supernatural being. Uh, sometimes it feels like the witnesses are seeing like a ghost, but through, you know, through a glass darkly, as it were. Like maybe they're not sensitive mm-hmm. enough to see details. So maybe the perceptive field or whatever, like just causes the only thing to come through is like an outline of a, or a shadow shape or whatever. I, I'm very right. fascinated by it. So I don't. And there's a whole other thing with the red eyes. Lots of people see yeah, shadows yeah, yeah, with yeah. red eyes. Yeah. Uh, we should take a moment to talk about the the documentary film, The Nightmare, which I think we've brought up before. We it have, deals, yeah. It deals with sleep paralysis. It's it's really frightening. I I think mm-hmm. I think, and it deals with I think six or so cases of people who who have sleep paralysis almost nightly. And yeah. to the documentary's credit, they interview all these people, and all these people have their own unique belief regarding what the sleep paralysis means and what causes it. So it kind of considers many, many different sides. And some yeah, people think sure. that, you know, it's a medical condition. Other people think, no, I think there's something. Some people think that their their bodies are like the battleground for some spiritual war. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting. But but the hat man and the red-eyed shadow people make appearances frequently. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. yeah, it is weird. It's so interesting, though. It is. It but is. yeah. If any of you uh, people out there have had had your own shadow person experiences, that uh, write it in. Yeah, write it in. Let us know because it seems it's a it's it's almost a non-category because there's so much conflicting. Not, I say conflict. There's so much variation on it that it's like, man, I don't think shadow person is a is necessarily an adequate description. It, I mean, the only thing they have in common is that kind of lack of feature. But I don't right. know. I don't know. I right. mean, where do you? How yeah. do you? How do you divvy them up? I wonder if anyone's got their own ideas about the different subsets of shadow people experiences. Hmm. I know. Yeah. Love Send to us hear your that. stories. You can do that at ghoulintentions.com. It's nice. at the top of the menu. Submit your story here. That's that's where you that's where you submit your story. Right. So right there. Uh, yeah, right there. So send us your stories um, about shadow people or what other whatever ghost stories you have. Yeah. Uh, let us let us know what's going on for our ghosticles episode. Um. <laughs> Well, thank so, yeah. you for sharing you all guys. those cool stories with us, Jamie. I know. Yeah. Thank you for sharing the history and that perspective. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed thank it. You. And thank all you right, guys well. for listening. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you guys have a great week. Yeah. We'll be back Thursday. Yeah. And stay remember. Safe. Stay safe. Stay sane. And stay safe. Stay sane. Wash your hands. Yes. And remember. It's okay, it's okay to, to sleep, sleep with the lights with the on. Lights on. <laughs>